are worlds between our own, and from these worlds there are written histories, both ancient and modern. To read of these testaments scrawled in hidden places and on other things, you must fix your eyes uncomfortably within you, and if successful, your gaze will unlock the door behind raw imagination and meet the manuscript of innumerable folios known as the Dark Darkness. Hello, I'm Sharkchild, and this is The Dark Verse. Short stories of occult, metaphysical, and fantastical horror that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. Halloween is approaching, and something that's funny, uh, that's personal, is that I have a 15 month old son and he's just starting to learn what the word scary means so sometimes when he's going towards something that my wife or I don't want him to get into we'll just say that's scary that's scary and he'll come running to us all afraid um, and it's really adorable uh, one of the things that he, he he's really scared of is the garbage truck so the garbage truck will come and when he hears that uh, when he hears it getting the trash he'll freak out and, and run to us but it Part of me thinks that he just likes the idea of being scared. I don't know if he really is scared, but he's grasping the concept. But I, I think that some of it is just a form of entertainment. Like he likes to run to us and, and have that feeling because sometimes he laughs and whatever. So I, I, I don't know, but he, he understands that there's something there with that word. There's something to that feeling. And it's, it's really funny. Just wanted to share that. Um, if you haven't picked up the dark verse hardcover books halloween is always a good time to do that to uh, you know share some scary stories with your friends um i have the first 78 stories of the dark verse in these hardcover tomes there's 26 in each volume i have them available at shop.sharkchild.com i offer free shipping domestically uh, a couple of them have won awards they're also available on amazon um but they're not signed on Amazon. Um, also, you can use the coupon code BDARK on my website to get 10% off of your order. If you want to give monthly support to the Dark Verse, which I would be extremely appreciative of, you can do that at patreon.com slash the Dark Verse. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the Dark Verse. That's, of course, if you love what I'm doing and you want to see me continue to do it over and over again, um, that's a great... Pl- Uh, place to get involved to help me out all right i have an awesome story for you guys that i have spent a lot of thought and time on and it's time to share it with you this is episode 97 of the dark verse and it is entitled the kids go first ding dong the doorbell rang I hesitatingly placed a bookmark in my afternoon read, pulled myself up from the couch, and lurched towards the front door. When I got there, I pressed my eye to the peephole to scout the visiting presence. Barely within view were two children somewhere between the ages of seven and nine, a boy and a girl, with curly black hair and pleasant faces. I opened the door. The two youths immediately pushed their way inside my house, 
Their swiftness of action superseded any reaction on my part. Being that they were young children, there was no comfortable or proper way to reverse their course at the moment I did make the mental note of their trespassing. Hey, hold on there, I said. In the time it had taken me to open the door, the children had put on masks. Their welcoming faces were replaced by unnerving strangeness. Both disguises were the same, full head orb masks of glossy reflective black, like a marble, with whirlpools over their faces that funneled down into their bodies. It was surely a trick of the eye, but these vortexes contained within the helmets were three-dimensional in appearance. They were visible at all angles. They both wore white, astronaut-like jumpsuits, and I could no longer tell which of them the boy was and which the girl was. The two masked trespassers bolted past me without stopping and continued further into the house. I watched as they ran down the main hallway and turned around a corner towards the family room. I followed after them as quickly as I could, but by the time I reached where I thought they had gone, they had vanished. I looked everywhere in the house for them, wondering if perhaps my eyes had misled me, but I could not find them anywhere. The front door was still open upon my initial pursuit, but I had closed it before I carried out the majority of my search. They would have had to pass right by me to have exited through it while it was still ajar. There were no sounds of doors as I scoured every nook and cranny for the intruders. There were no sounds at all other than my own shuffling of furniture to search within and behind it. My eyes told me they were gone, but my gut knew they remained, hidden somewhere, somehow. I felt very uneasy when my wife and children pulled into the garage, returning from a birthday party of one of the kids' friends. I had two children, an eight-year-old boy, Tomney, and a six-year-old girl, Clorinda. As soon as their feet plopped out of the car and hit the ground, they were off to continue the adventure of youth on to the next entertaining vice. When the kids had gone to sleep, I decided to tell my wife about the visitors earlier on in the day. I told her how they knocked on the door and burst into the house when I opened it. I told her how I saw their faces through the peephole, but when I opened the door they had masks on. I told her how they disappeared inside the house and how I searched everywhere for them only to come up empty-handed. She was as disturbed as I was. She was scared that they were still here and I had no way of convincing her otherwise because even I was nearly certain they had never left. When my wife and I went to bed, we both anxiously sat up for a time, talking into the night. We were nervous to let go of consciousness and allow the universe to have its way while we slept, but eventually our conversation could not maintain wakefulness and we dozed off. I woke in the middle of the night to two floating, glistening lights that converged upon the bed, one on either side of it. Moonlight was coming down through the side window and reflecting upon two surfaces that were moving towards my wife and me. It was eerie enough as it was, but as my eyes adjusted, I distinguished the maelstrom masks of the two children intruders. They had been here the whole time. One approached my wife and one approached me. Once they were beside us, they shook us to arouse us. My heart skipped a beat and my wife screamed. 
My initial reaction was to treat the two of them as the invaders they were. So I jumped out of bed and grabbed the wrist of the one that was on my side. You two are leaving now, I said as I dragged the first child over to the other side of the bed and did the same to the second, pulling both of them by their wrists out of the bedroom and to the front door. They resisted but let my strength dictate their movement. When I let one of them go long enough to open the door, the child tapped a hand several times on my chest as if to tell me something but remained in place. As soon as I had the door open, I shoved both of the miscreants through it, closed it, and locked it with relief. Outside, the two youths frantically pounded on the door to get back in. Considering the lack of struggle they put up when I thrust them out, it was a peculiar behavior. My wife came over to check on the situation and consoled me while the unsettling, raucous effort of the kids outside continued. I yelled at them over and over to leave my family alone, but they would not stop knocking on the door. Several minutes later, there was a bright red light outside that permeated the house and the hammering abruptly ceased. The quietude felt supernatural, but it was wholly welcomed. I pulled out a card table chair from the hallway closet, set it next to the front door, and sat myself down on it. In case some other aspect of an intrusion occurred, I wanted to maintain what little vigilance I could afford. I'm so glad they're gone, my wife said, and thank goodness the kids didn't wake up. My wife kissed me and returned to bed. Before long, I drifted to sleep, slouched in the chair. Lacking sustainable comfort, I woke just as Sunday morning sunlight took hold in the sky. I stood up, grabbed my keys, and went out the front door to pick up the Sunday paper. Even though the paper was but steps from the house, I locked the front door behind me as I exited, careful to block any surprise visits from the maelstrom-masked intruders. As I stepped out from beneath the walkway overhang into the sun, I noticed a transparent neon pink sheath that arched over the house and a portion of the surrounding property. The dome ended halfway down the driveway. I walked up to it and placed my hand against it. It was solid and immovable. It felt like heatless metal, metal without any degree of coolness or warmth. The Sunday paper lay just on the other side. I navigated the base of the mysterious wall in its entirety and found it to encapsulate the house completely without any point of exit. When I came back around to the front of the house, I spotted a couple of my neighbors outside getting ready to leave for church. I greeted them, but they did not hear me. I shouted at them, and they still did not hear me. They even looked my way, but did not see me. The shield was reflecting some impervious duplicate of the house to outsiders. They saw the house, but they could not see its inhabitants. I was blocked and cloaked. I rushed back inside the house to alert my wife. I woke her up and explained the situation to her. She did not believe me until I dragged her outside and placed her own hand against the forest field. We were scared of what was happening, and we knew it all tied back to the two maelstrom-masked intruders. But the situation had not yet approached doom. Doom culminated when we went to wake up our children and found that they were gone. They were nowhere in the house. Somehow, at some point in the night, they were abducted. 
It was equally despairing and maddening. It was doom. There was no way to search for them. The cell phones had no reception and so there was no way to call the local law enforcement. There was no way to do anything. It was pure, black doom. The next day the gardener came to the house. I stood outside and waited for his arrival, hoping that when he walked into the barrier he would alert a neighbor who could get help. He came as scheduled, but when the moment of his interaction with the force field came, he passed right through. While carrying out his work, he walked in and out of the dome without any obstruction. He could not see my wife or me. I could literally walk through him as if he were a hologram, and any objects he brought within the field had the same effect. They could not be manipulated by us. My wife and I were trapped on a sliver of an alternate reality that overlapped with our true reality. We had the window that let us see through. The other side did not. Any action done in our alternate reality was not done in the actual reality, and vice versa. The doom was unchanging. Nineteen days into our isolation, when my wife and I thought all was lost, when our food was depleted and any hope of escaping our hell and seeing our children once more had been driven so wrenchingly deep within our souls that we felt like murdering each other under the blame that we assigned ourselves, there was a knock at the door. We looked at each other quizzically before making our way over to it. I looked through the peephole and saw the two hellions that had started this diabolical tribulation. They were without their masks. I quickly opened the door. Where are our children? I screamed at the boy and girl, their faces still containing the pleasant countenances, visages of sinister complacency. Where are they? What have you done with them? The young boy responded. We introduced them to our world for two of your days, prepared them for gastro-shifting for three of your days, and feasted on their essences for fourteen of your days, he said concretely. As soon as he spoke these words, my eyes watered up in agony and I lunged at him. I went through him and fell hard upon the concrete. My wife crumpled to the ground in an emotional collapse. In response to my attack, the boy continued, we are very good at shifting. That's what we do. We shift appearance, shift garments, shift reality, and shift food into our interdimensional forms. Even as my wife and I lay crippled on the ground, he paid no heed and continued to speak, enamored by his own words. Now you two will be our desserts. Your isolation here has converted your energy into a delicacy we shifters especially enjoy. But the kids go first. They have such strong energy and provide us with immense sustenance. Speaking of kids, although we wreak such wretchedness upon your world, we have quite peculiar ways, odd rules and such, like the whole business of knocking on doors, announcing our presences, and receiving the children as offerings. It used to be a lot harder to acquire our meals when our older and more proper ancestors adhered to these stipulations more rigorously, but over time we drifted from that strictness and found ways to play within the system to create outcomes to our desires. Your children, for instance, you did willingly offer them to us. What do you mean willingly? I screamed and climbed to my feet. I would never give them willingly to you. But you did, the boy went on. 
We had prepared them for their departure, shifting suits and transportation helmets on to them. But they still needed your approval before we could take them. They were very much against leaving, but you heaved them out, and we are so thankful to you for that. I recalled the events of that evening through different lenses. I recalled the way the masked figures went to wake my wife and me up. I recalled the way they struggled but respected my authority. I recalled the way one of them patted my chest as if to sincerely communicate some unknown circumstance. I recalled the way they fiercely, passionately, and longingly hit the door to come back in because they were emotionally distraught and destroyed at their own father rejecting their pleas and casting them out. We were deceived by their appearances, and the masks had muffled their implorations. I flung my arms at the boy's smirking face, but my arms flailed clumsily through him without effect. I then fell to my knees and put my face into my hands. What does that mean, Shiro? My wife asked me. Our kids, Mirinda, I said into my hands. They were our children. The kids in the suits and masks that night that came to us in our bed, they were our children. It wasn't these two damn monsters, it was our Tomney and Clorinda, and I threw them out. No, she said, shaking her head briskly. No, no, no. The truth that my children had been eaten by these deviations of existence was not even close to the pain I felt in knowing I had sent them to their deaths. Trickery or not, I had been their devil. Nothing could compare to the pain of imagining the overwhelming sorrow, confusion, and fright my children face as they were banished by their father. Of imagining the all-consuming despair as they thrust their fists upon the door that blocked them from their family and their home, while that same father shouted at them to go away. Just take us and kill us, I whimpered, my face still in my hands. In some last mechanism of survival, my wife spoke. According to your rules, though, don't we have to offer ourselves in order for you to take us? No, not adults, the girl said while giggling. The boy joined in and chuckled as well. That concludes episode 97 of The Dark Verse. You can listen to and or download all of the past episodes at thedarkverse.com on iTunes or on SoundCloud. If you would be willing to give support to the podcast on a monthly basis in a monetary form, you can do so at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the dark verse, and your support would be greatly appreciated. Enjoy this month of the Halloween season, and I'll see you shortly with another story. All stories on the Dark Verse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without his written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love. <laughs>